Some blanket statements make me uncomfortable. Maybe they make you uncomfortable too. Here's one that makes me very nervous. All men are idiots. <laughs> I don't know, Todd. That makes a lot of sense to me. Some men are idiots. I get it. All men are idiots. That blanket statement makes me nervous. This one also, all women are annoying. All men are like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Some women can be annoying sometimes, but not all women. My wife is a perfect woman. I don't know. <laughs> all Christians are uh, uptight bigots. We live under the weight of that one, don't we? Yes, we do. It's a blanket statement, though. makes me nervous. Some blanket statements are true. All chocolate cake is awesome. <laughs> I never met one I didn't like. Even the mediocre ones are okay. <laughs> I'm going to preach real good today. You watch. Uh, this one's true also. Uh, every beach is a treat. Right, different kinds of beaches, right? You've been to different kinds of beaches. Some are stony, some are sandy. Our Ontario beaches on the Great Lakes sometimes have trees hanging right down at the edge. Ever walked through the trees at the edge of one of the Great Lakes? Like I'm talking out in the wild where no one else is. It's amazing. All beaches are a treat. Uh, one more blanket statement that's true. Nobody hates vacation. <laughs> like who you ever met who's like, darn it, I got to go to Spain next week. No one ever said that. Some blanket statements will change your life. I'm going to show you some of those today. And I'm going to show them to you out of Genesis 36, believe it or not. These are the generations of Esau, that is Edom. Esau took his wives from the Canaanites, Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, Oholibamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite, and Basimat, Ishmael's daughter, the sister of Nevaiot. Nadab bore to Esau Eliphaz, Bathemat bore Reuel, and Oholibamah bore Yeush, Shalam, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the members of his household, his livestock, all his beasts, and all his property he had acquired in the land of Canaan. He went into a land away from his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. The land of their sojourners could not support them because of all their livestock. So Esau settled in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. These are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau. Reuel, the son of Basemat, the wife of Esau. The sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Timnah was a concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son. She bore Amalek to Eliphaz. These are the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Reuel, Naha, Zerah, Shaman, Mitzah. These are the sons of Basemat, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Ohod, Libamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zivon, Esau's wife. She bore to Esau, Yeush, Yalam, and Korah. If you ever wonder why the Hebrew writers repeat themselves, like you're like, we already read this. I'm with that. Most people didn't read at the time, right? Like almost nobody. And so you would have to repeat it several times so that the audience would get it, so that they'd remember it. Judaism is an oral tradition before it is a written tradition. So that's why uh, they're always repeating themselves. You're like, I got it already. 
Verse 15. These are the chiefs of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau. The chiefs, Teman, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gatam, and Amalek. These are the chiefs of Eliphaz in the lands of Edom. These are the sons of Adah. These are the sons of Reuel, Esau's son. The chiefs, Nahat, Zerah, Shammah, and Mitzah. These are the chiefs of Reuel in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Basemat, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Oholibama, Esau's wife. The chiefs, Yeush, Yalam, and Korah. These are the chiefs born of Oholibama, the daughter of Anna, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Esau, that is Edom, and these are their chiefs. These are the sons of Seir, the Horites, the inhabitants of the land, Lotan, Shobal, Zibon, Anna, Dishon, Etzer, and Dishan. These are the chiefs of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Edom. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Hemam, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. These are the sons of Shoval, Alvan, Manahat, Eval, Shephon, Onam. These are the sons of Zivon, Aya, and Anna. He is the Anna who found the hot springs in the wilderness as he pastured the donkeys of Zivon, his father. I'm going to preach on that one. You're going to see what I do with that one. These are the children of Anna, Dishon and Oholibama, the daughter of Anna. These are the sons of Dishon, Hemdan, Eshban, Itran, and Cheran. These are the sons of Etzer, Bilchan, Zaavan, and Akan. These are the sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. These are the chiefs of the Horites. The chiefs Lotan, Shoval, Zivon, Anna, Dishon, Etzer, and Dishan. These are the chiefs of the Horites, chief by chief in the land of Seir. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the Israelites. Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom, the name of his city being Din Haba. Bela died, and Yovav, the son of Zerah of Basra, reigned in his place. Yovav died, and Husham of the land of the Temanites reigned in his place. Husham died, and Hadad, the son of Bedad, who defeated Midian in the country of Moab, reigned in his place, the name of his city being Avit. Hadad died, and Samla of Masrekah reigned in his place. Samla died, and Shaul of Rehovot on the Euphrates reigned in his place. Shaul died, and Baal Hanan, the son of Achbor, the son of a mouse, <laughs> reigned in his place. Baal Hanan, the son of Achbor, died, and Hadar reigned in his place. The name of his city was Pau. His wife's name was Mehatavel, the daughter of Matred, daughter of Mezahav. These are the names of the chiefs of Esau according to their clans and their dwelling places. By their names, the chiefs Timnah, Alva, Jetheth, Oholibama, Elah, Pinon, Kenaz, Teman, Mizbar, Magdiel and Iram, these are the chiefs of Edom, that is Esau, the father of Edom, according to their dwelling places in the land of their possession. How many of you read this this week and went, there is no way our pastor can preach anything from this chapter? (laughs) No word of a lie, when I finished the sermon, I just kind of sat there stunned. I said to my wife, who was working across the table from me, I said, I feel like I'm sitting in a holy moment. You can be the judge in a few minutes. Your life may not have gone as planned, it may not have gone as expected, but it's going to turn out great because God's grace wins. First blanket statement, there's more to your story than meets the eye, so don't lose hope just yet. Verse 1, these are the generations of Esau, that is Edom. So this is Esau's story. We've been in weeks and weeks and weeks of focusing on Jacob. Esau's the forgotten son. It's one chapter, and it's a boring chapter. It's like they cram in everything into one chapter. That's why it's a lineage. It's like, let's say everything we need to say about them. Give them a lineage. It's Esau's story. This is Esau's story. What's your story? Is your story good? Is it bad? Maybe it's indifferent? You have a story. I have a story. Esau had a story. 
Learn to accept it. Do you ever fight against your story? Somebody nod at me, maybe. If you're brave, you fight against your story, right? You wish things could be different? I was at U of T last night. My fool kids and their cousin Gabe and Miss Annie Lampkin went downtown Toronto to Wycliffe College to dance the night away. There was a problem with a purpose, and they went to raise some money and make a difference and have some fun. Pastor Todd the Sucker drove them there. Good thing, too, with that storm that came in, right? And I spent my night wandering around the city, my old stomping grounds, U of T. Walked by the stadium where I used to play football. Maybe you saw my selfie there. It's like, I don't look that old. Walked by Victoria College where I went to school. I picked Vic because over the main entrance it says, the truth shall make you free. Oh, I said, this is a gospel college. I was a little wrong on that one. <laughs> Went to Hart House where I wasted most of my degree sitting around, just chilling. It's a great time. But I got a little depressed because I saw all these young students and I realized that I wasn't young anymore. And I thought about what it might be to be young again and how differently I would do things if I got to do my 20s over. That made me feel kind of sad. As I was walking around a UC where I parked Lord whispered to me and went, you still have a future. I thought I could tell you that this morning. You still have a future. <laughs> Receive it. Okay, don't allow yourself to be trapped by your story. Okay, accept your story. But be careful not to allow yourself to be defined by what has been. Celebrate. Esau, the forgotten son, the stew eater, the one who got outsmarted. There's more to his story, though. You see it right away in verse 1. Look, these are the generations of Esau. You thought you are just living a life? No, my friend. These are the generations of Esau. You're not just living a life. You're laying down a legacy that will last for generations. How about you start living like it? Like your life isn't just your life, it's a legacy that will last for generations. How would you do your life different if that realization was before you at all times? That your life is already a legacy and it will last for generations. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Deuteronomy 5, 9 and 10. Would you get a load of that? I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So, if you come from a good lineage, okay, you come from a godly family line, rise to it. Live like it. Work great exploits for Jesus' fame. Your joy and the good of your city if you come from a good lineage. And know that God lies at the root of that lineage and that lineage will last for a thousand generations. So every little hiccup you suffer, don't allow it to derail you. Because one little hiccup is not going to derail a legacy that lasts by God's grace for a thousand generations. Amen? So those of you with a good legacy, rise to it and live like it. Those of you with a sketchy lineage, 
Okay, some people have sketchy lineages. I have friends who come from those kind of lines, and uh, when they first start walking with Jesus, they feel a little insecure about their sketchy lineage. And my dad taught me what to say to my friends who come from a sketchy lineage. So what my dad taught me, I also pass on to you. And that is this. (laughs) In Jesus, walk out from under it. And start a new line. If you come from a sketchy lineage, you have more honor than me. I come from five generations of preachers on my dad's side and four on my mom's. All I have is pressure not to be the one idiot who screws it up. (laughs) What you have is the opportunity to be Abraham. What you have is the opportunity to be Sarah. (laughs) Receive it. So you come from a sketchy lineage, walk out from under it, and start a new line. Become the patriarch. Become the matriarch. And yes, I named the whole series just to be able to preach that point. How do I become the patriarch? How do I become the matriarch? You know where you start? You start with the love of God and the love of people. You do that every minute of every day for the rest of your life without fail. Your kids see it, they grow up to do the same. Your grandkids see it, they grow up to do the same. If you should live to 93 like John Atkinson, your great-grandkids see it and they grow up to do the same. God can turn even the worst legacy around. How do I know? Well, because of verse 1. These are the generations of Esau. That is Edom. Why was his name Edom? Because he sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. He sold his birthright to his brother Jacob for a bowl of red lentil stew. And so they named him Edom, which is a derivative of the word Adom, which means, you guessed it, red. So this poor guy carried around a nickname his whole life that was set up to mock him, that was set up as a monument to his failure. But I'm here to tell you, no, I'm here to preach to you today, church, that God turned it around because Esau's nickname, Edom, became a nation. That's a good God who can take your mocking nickname and turn it into a nation. The Spirit of the living God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified." They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. Church, God is in the beauty for ashes business. He'll take your mocking nickname and he will turn it into the nation of Edom because that's what he 
does. That's why God the Father sent God the Son to suffer and die in your place for your sins so that you would not have to bear in your body, in your spirit, or in your spiritual lineage the penalty for your sins any longer because God the Father laid that penalty on God the Son. And God the Son, once he had died for those sins, did not stay dead, but he rose again victorious to set you free so you no longer need to walk under the burden of slavery. You can live free. You can now be a nation builder. So even though like Esau, blanket statement number two, your life may not have gone as expected, it's going to turn out better than you expect. Look what happened to the forgotten son. We see this in verses six through eight. He went away into a land from his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. The land of their sojourners cannot support them because of their livestock. What did Esau have that forced him to leave his brother? Well, I'll tell you what he had. He had wives and sons and daughters. And he went away with all the souls of his household. He had livestock and beasts and property. In fact, he had so much of these things that their possessions were too great for the land of their sojournings. It could not support them. I just want to point out, this is a pretty good haul for the forgotten son. Didn't you feel sad for Esau when his story went sideways? And didn't I tell you when his story went sideways to hold on for a very big finish that God's grace redeems even Esau? I told you. And today we pay that off, wives and sons and daughters and souls and livestock and beasts and property, a pretty good haul for the forgotten son. Just because your life is different than you expected doesn't mean it can't be lovely and full. It's time for a new mindset. Yes, it is. Time for a new mindset. You got a poverty mindset? It's time for a good news one. You got a brokenness mindset? It's time to think about healing. And know that it is yours. You got a captivity mindset? It's time to get a freedom mindset. You got an imprisonment mindset? It's time to get an open roads mindset. Like you're a prisoner who's been set free from the dungeon. They throw you a set of keys, and there's a candy apple red Corvette convertible in the driver with your name on the license plate. I'm talking that kind of mindset, because that's how good Jesus has been to you. And I don't literally mean that everyone who loves Jesus gets to drive a sports car. Y'all see what I mean? I'm speaking figuratively there. You got a mourning mindset? You need to have a comfort mindset. You have an ashes mindset? Get a beauty mindset. You got a heaviness mindset? You need to get a praise mindset, right? You need to pretend you're from Atlanta, right? And you're of African descent. When I say you get a praise mindset, you go, woo! At least on the inside. On the inside, all you Guelph saints, yeah! You get a praise. You get a, woo! Get your praise on. Mm. Right? You got a ruined mindset? Mm. You get the mindset of a renovator who looks at a broke down house and says, that's a gold mine. You got a devastated mindset. You get a mindset that's been raised up because in Jesus, you have newness of life and a present and a future that will turn out better than you could have come to expect. So because of this, raise your expectations. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Because of Jesus, raise your expectations. Keeping in mind that blanket statement number three. Trouble might find you along the way. Yes, it's true. Verse 2, verse 12, sorry. Atimna was a concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son. She bore Amalek to Eliphaz. Who is Amalek? Amalek is the father of the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? 
historical enemies of God's people. So here we have, right in the middle of this nondescript lineage, pow! The mother of Amalek, one of God's enemies. You might find some trouble along the way. So next time you find some trouble along the way, don't allow it to derail your lineage. Just accept the fact that once in a while an enemy shows up. So yes, you'll stumble into trouble once in a while, but blanket statement number four, you also might stumble into your destiny. Verse 24. These are the sons of Zivon, Ayah and Anna. He is the Anna who found the hot springs in the wilderness as he pastured the donkeys of Zivon, his father. Let me just point out how weird it is that this guy makes the Bible because he found some hot springs. Let me point out how strange it is and awesome that he found those hot springs as he was pasturing his father's donkeys. Don't be surprised if your destiny, this guy Anna's destiny, was to be remembered for finding the hot springs. Don't be surprised if your destiny finds you in the midst of your everyday life. You're just doing something, and all of a sudden, your destiny comes knocking, because you're not in charge of your destiny. The Lord God of Israel is. Also, turns out hot tubs are biblical. I've known it for years. I've known it for years. (laughs) Of course I wouldn't preach a single example as a life lesson. I promised you that when I came to the Old Testament, right? So you're thinking, ah, nah, it's like a one-time thing. He finds a hot tub and Pastor Todd's all hot and bothered about it. No, Noah is minding his business. God shows up and says, build an ark. But wait, there's more. Abraham is minding his business, building a life in Haran. And God shows up and says, go to the land that I will show you. Centuries later, the future judge Gideon, a bit of a fraidy cat, is threshing wheat in the wine press for fear of his enemies. An angel shows up and says, Thou mighty man of valor, raises him up to be God's great general, to free his people from oppression. Yael is just cleaning her tent one day, and Sisera, the general of Israel's armies, shows up in her tent, asks to go to sleep, and kapow! She runs a tent peg through his head and Achieves a great victory for God's people. David is minding his business, minding his father's sheep. And the prophet shows up with a vial of oil and says, Guess what? You get to be God's anointed. You're going to be the greatest king of all time. Peter, Andrew, James, and John are just minding their own business, working as fishermen on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus shows up, calls them fishers of men, invites them to be his first disciples, and their names will be inscribed on the foundations of the New Jerusalem. According to Revelation 21, which you read last week, imagine if that's your bonus. Do a good job. You get the eighth foundation. I'm telling you, man, if that was me, I'd be like, well, I'd probably do whatever Jesus said. He said, go raise the dead. I'd probably go raise the dead. You know, he sent me out with just sandals and a walking stick, but no money for the journey. Told me to stay in one house until I leave. I'll do whatever he said. I get the eighth foundation, yo. This is amazing. That's also a wonderful thing to do. You know, next time you're tempted to be impressed with yourself, just remember um, that no matter what you do, your name's never going on the eighth foundation. Just not. (laughs) So, you know, it's like sit down, be humble, right? (laughs) The foundations of the new Jerusalem are already taken. They're already taken. 
right? And Jesus doesn't even decide who gets to sit at his right hand or his left. Only the Father knows who gets that job. I'm pretty sure it's not me. You know? I'm pretty sure it's not you. Let's just be nice to one another because ain't nobody's name's written on the foundation. It's amazing. <laughs> but even though it's kind of depressing, never forget that all the promises are coming true. How do I know? Because kings were promised. In Genesis, I could preach today. Genesis 17, 6, kings are promised to come from Abraham's line. This is restated to his son Isaac in Genesis 26. This is confirmed to his grandson Jacob in Genesis 35. And here we see it coming true first for the forgotten son, Esau, son of Isaac, son of Abraham. Verse 31, these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned in Israel. So the promise of kingship comes to the forgotten son, the firstborn son, before it comes to the secondborn who stole his birthright. All the promises are coming true, and kings shall come from thy loins. Blanket statement number five. How am I going to preach this again a second time? Ah, Help me, Jesus. All the promises are coming true. So start living with some love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and put a smile on your face and banish stress from your heart. Because even though everybody dies, like um, Bela, Yovav, Husham, Chedad, Samla, Shaul, and Baal Hanan, the son of a mouse, in verses 33 for 39, Blanket statement number six, death doesn't get the last word because the story of Esau's descendants is compiled here in Genesis 36, verse 43, don't miss this, according to their dwelling places in the land of their possession. And what do we Christians know about dwelling places and possession? Y'all know where I'm going? Y'all been around me long enough? Y'all know where I'm going? What do we know about dwelling places and possession? Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Worship team, you can run to the stage because I'm done. Blanket statement number one. There's more to your story than meets the eye, so don't lose hope just yet. Blanket statement number two, your life may not have gone as expected, but it's going to turn out better than you expect. Blanket statement number three, you're going to find some trouble along the way. Number four, but you also might find your destiny. Number five, because all the promises are coming true. Number six, and death doesn't get the last word because your dwelling place is with God and you are his possession. And those are some blanket statements that will change your life because God's grace wins.